All right, let's give the choir a round of applause. Thank you guys for singing and leading us in worship. Uh, my name's Daniel. Uh, as Jane said, you guys may be seated. Um, my name's Daniel. As Jane said, I'm the director of missions and outreach here at First Pres, and I am excited to uh, be able to share the word with you guys uh, this morning as we continue this four-week series we've been in called The Bible Seriously. Uh, but before I do that, I want to give you guys a little background about myself. I've met many of you. Uh, some I have not. Um, I was born in uh, Virginia, but grew up in South Carolina. So I'm an East Coast boy. My mom started taking us to church when I was nine years old. And that's where I first met Jesus, actually on a camping trip um, with a group called Royal Rangers. It was like camp. And uh, I met Christ there, and he changed my life. As a nine-year-old, I was living a pretty dark life and got redeemed, and I... <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, so I grew up there. When I was 18, I left uh, South Carolina, and I came to Denver uh, to join an organization called Youth with a Mission, and I met my ridiculously attractive wife there, Becky over here. She is from England, and uh, we met in Denver, and we joined YWAM and worked with Youth with a Mission for 12 years. Um, and then uh, in 2009, we moved to Virginia and began to work in the context of local church ministry. And I tell you, it's just been a wild and crazy ride. All right, one of my favorite pastors, Mark Batterson at National Community Church in Washington, D.C., uh, says this. He says, if you think following Jesus is boring, you're doing it wrong. All right, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. Following Jesus is absolutely thrilling, and I believe it's the same. We can apply it to what we're talking about this morning about God's Word. If you think reading God's Word is boring, perhaps you're doing it wrong. All right, and I want to talk to you about what that might mean this morning, and I want to talk to you about us developing and cultivating a real hunger and a passion for God's Word. And so before we dive into the content for today, I want to just rewind since this is the last week of the series and review a little bit. I'm sure you guys have been studying your notes and, and you have this all down every day. You're thinking about what we're teaching. And so, but just in case, let me review. The first week, Pastor Eric kicked us off talking about how God's word is, is breathed by God himself, that the breath of God infuses life into his word. And we studied 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 that tells us that God's word is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that you and I might be thoroughly equipped for every good thing that God calls us to do. And then in week two, uh, Pastor Jane came and she did a beautiful job teaching us from, the, from Psalm 19. What an incredible psalm. It's the first time I heard a whole sermon through that entire psalm. It's such a beautiful illustration of how God is revealed in creation. He reveals himself through the things that he has made. Uh, and not only is he revealed in creation, he's revealed in his word. And if we only have the revelation of creation then we, our revelation of God is insufficient, right? Coupled with the revelation we have in the Logos, in the written word of God, with the beauty we see in creation, we have a fuller picture of what God is like. And then, of course, last week, Dr. Mark Roberts from Fuller Theological Seminary came and, and spoke on Hebrews chapter 4 and instructed us in how God's word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And it still speaks to our hearts today. And so on the, the foundation of all that has been laid before, I want to draw our attention to one short verse that most of you, I'm willing to bet, memorized in Sunday school. 
You've heard this verse before, most likely, and it's an incredible verse in Psalm 119, verse 105, that says, God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light for our path. Right? God's word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. It guides us, it leads us, it instructs us. And after Dr. Mark Roberts was here last week and did such a wonderful job uh, parsing the Greek text in Hebrews chapter 4 for us, I felt compelled that I needed to go back to the Hebrew and study the original language so I could give you a fuller meaning of this passage. And here's what I discovered. In the Hebrew, the language of the Old Testament, here's what this verse says. God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Aren't you guys excited that I studied that for you so you wouldn't have to? It actually does not change the meaning at all. It's, it's beautiful. And so I want to just pray as we begin this message this morning, as we dive in, that God would open our eyes to see his word in a fresh and new way. Would you join me? Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you for this revelation. God, we thank you for all the people who gave their lives so that we might hold this precious book in our hands. It's not just a book, Lord. It is the living, active, God-breathed word of Scripture. And Lord, we pray today, God, that as we study your word, that you would stir our hearts and our affection for you, and you would draw us closer to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Okay, so as you, as you kind of go through uh, the Word of God, I, I love that there's this imagery of the lamp. And, and we see this imagery, uh, imagery of a lamp throughout the pages of Scripture. Uh, we see that as we study God's Word in both the New and the Old Testament, that lamps are often depicted uh, as a source of, of God's light for us. So whether we're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, there's kind of three images um, that we can kind of conjure up in our mind as we think about God's Word being a lamp. Uh, the first kind of image we see is that a lamp, the light of God, often refers to the abundance of life that Jesus offers us, right? In John chapter 10, verse 10, we know this verse, that the enemy came to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but God came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, and a lamp is often a picture in God's word of the abundance of life that we're offered. It's also another way to picture his presence with us. Aren't we thankful today that we serve a God who is present with us in day in and day out? He is always there. He's always part of our life. And of course, as we see in this Psalm, Psalm 119, 105, the, the lamp of God's word is depicted as kind of guidance and direction for our life. And what I love about the word of God is the word of God, the written word, points us to the incarnate word of God, the living son, Jesus Christ, who took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. So his word points us to the word. And the word, Jesus Christ, is depicted throughout the entire gospel of John as light. Right? He is the light of the world. You see it throughout the entire gospel. And as you, as you study the other gospels, we find in Matthew chapter 5 that not only is Jesus the light of the world, the incarnate living word of God that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, but... We are also the light of the world as followers of Jesus. We're called to shed his light, to share his love with those around us in Matthew chapter 5. So as we've gone through this series, uh, these last few weeks, we've been wrestling with this question. How seriously do we take God's word? And I want us to make it personal this morning. How seriously do I 
take God's word. I believe this is the defining question for our emerging generation because so many in this generation are getting to a place where they're moving away from the word of God as the standard of absolute truth and are allowing culture to dictate what is true rather than standing firm on the timeless truths of God's word. But how many of us know that Psalm 119, 160 says that the sum of God's word is truth, right? The sum, the entire revelation of God is our measuring stick for truth. It is our absolute authority if we are followers of Jesus. You guys, you guys with me? That's an important thing for us to hold on to and to remember. God gave us his written word to guide us to lead us, right? How many of you have ever been lost before? Anyone ever been lost? It's kind of a scary feeling, right? When all of a sudden you're, you're lost and, and you're wondering, you don't know which way you're going. And what, the only thing that makes that worse is when it starts to get dark, right? It's one thing to be lost. It's another thing to be lost in the dark, right? Where you can't see anything. And many of us have unfortunately had that experience in life where we've been wandering around uh, aimlessly lost. And I find sometimes living in a fallen broken world as a follower of Jesus, it can feel a bit like we're lost at times, right? The darkness around us can be so overwhelming at times that we're not really sure how to navigate our way out of our current predicament. How do we respond in any given situation where there's voices around us clamoring for our attention, vying uh, for our beliefs, telling us what's wrong, what's, what's not wrong, what's, what's, what we should tolerate, what we shouldn't tolerate. There's so many voices in our uh, hostile anti-Christian culture trying to define what's right and wrong that we must be careful, that we always go back to the word of God and recognize that it's his word that lights our path, right? His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so we must stand on his word so that we can navigate these increasingly dark days that we're living in. You guys ever say amen in church? I don't know. Amen? Can I get amen? All right, you guys are with me. All right, good. Okay, so here's the question. How seriously do we take God's word? And even more than that, how, how do we view Scripture? What, what value does Scripture hold in my life? What value does it hold in your life? I think that's a question that we need to wrestle with. And, and even another question I want to think about is what is our attitude when we approach God's word? What mindset are we in? Are we coming from a place of religious obligation that well, I'm a Christian, so it's my, it's my Christian duty to read the word? There's a sense of obligation. There's a sense of legalism. There's a sense of guilt if we don't. Is that our perspective? Are we coming from a place where we're so excited to dive into God's word because we find so much joy and delight in the pages of scripture? John Maxwell once said, your attitude will determine your altitude. It's cheesy, but it's true, right? Your attitude will determine your altitude, and I believe that applies to the Word of God as well. As we look at the teachings of Scripture, as we read God's Word, I believe that the attitude with which we approach God's Word will determine the quality of our experience in God's Word, all right? The attitude with which you come to God's Word will determine the quality of your level of engagement, your experience in God's word. And so I want to challenge our attitudes this morning. I want to challenge us to really think about how we come to scripture. Allow me to illustrate. All right, we're going to do something crazy. This morning we are going to talk to each other during the sermon. All right, I want you to know I'm giving you permission. Okay, it's okay. And I want to challenge you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to talk 
about this. It's one of my favorite topics. What's your favorite food? You can't tell I like to eat. All right? This figure is not an accident. It takes a lot of work to maintain this body. All right? A lot of dedication to the greatness of food. Okay, I am a foodie. I think Boulder has a lot of foodies. Any other foodies out there this morning who love to eat? All right, you're embarrassed to admit it. Go ahead, put your, don't be embarrassed, all right? I love good food. And so what I want to challenge you to do is to turn to your neighbor, and for 30 seconds, I want you to try to describe to your neighbor your favorite food. I want you to describe it in such great detail that they can see it, smell it, and taste it, all right? And then you have 30 seconds to do that, and then we're going to switch. All right, you guys ready? Go for it. All right, make sure you switch and let the other person share. Make sure you switch. Let's bring it in. Let's bring it in. I'm telling you guys, it's miraculous to stand here and watch what I'm seeing. The level of energy and excitement in this room just went through the roof. All right. That was pretty, pretty spectacular. I want to tell you guys about one of the favorite meals I ever had. Uh, it was the summer of 2003. It was a beautiful time. And my wife and I were in San Francisco attending a missions conference. And uh, one night we, uh, we kind of ditched and, and snuck away to have a date night. Uh, and I approve of that. Okay, it's okay. You know, go, go ditch and have a date night sometimes. And we went to the Cheesecake Factory. Anyone ever been to Cheesecake Factory? Man, that menu can be overwhelming, right? It's large. But we went to this Cheesecake Factory. It was right, if you've been to San Francisco, if you're familiar with the city, Right in Union Square, at the top of the Macy's building in Union Square, on the eighth floor is this Cheesecake Factory. And, and we had a window seat. We were sitting right above the city of San Francisco with a great view of Union Square and the hustle and bustle of life. The energy all around us was mesmerizing. And, and then when the menu came out, the, or the book that they have, uh, I, I immediately just flipped through until I found the pages of steaks. All right? And, and I saw this one steak. It just, like, it jumped off the page. Maybe you've read the Bible sometime and something just jumps off the page and hits you. The same thing happened to me at the Cheesecake Factory reading their menu. <laughs> they had this, they had a Cajun ribeye that had been marinated in Cajun spices for 36 hours. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there's, there's just part of us, right, that can make an obvious parallel to marinating in God's word. But I'm not going to insult your intelligence. I'll let you draw that for yourself. All right. But the steak, 
comes out, and as I see the waiter walking towards our table, the anticipation is beginning to build, right? And I can see, like, sizzling smoke coming off of my steak, and, and as soon as the server set it in front of me, the, the fragrance of those Cajun spices was like an assault on my nostrils. That, that steam just flooded my nose, and, and all of a sudden, immediately, even now, I begin to salivate. <laughs> I tell you, when I slid my fork into that steak, it was nothing short of miraculous. And I took my knife and I just ran it gently across the top of that meat. You should have seen the way that the meat surrendered to the fork. <laughs> it was beautiful. And as I brought that piece of meat, that first bite to my mouth, it was like an explosion of flavor as those Cajun spices just aroused my taste buds. And I was like so overwhelmed, you can ask my wife. A tear <laughs> formed in my eye of pure joy and ecstasy in that moment. And I know I'm going to disappoint you guys by telling you this. They no longer offer that as an option. Perhaps that's why they went out of business here in Boulder. I'm not sure. But there was something incredible about that meat. And I'm going to tell you this. When I go, I would make every effort I could to go to the Cheesecake Factory to have that steak after that initial experience of that piece of meat. Every time I could work it into the budget, every time I could work it to where I was close enough to a Cheesecake Factory to make that happen, I was dedicated. You know why? Because I had already enjoyed the incredible flavor of that steak, and, and I knew each time I went back what was in store for me. A few years later, I discovered this place called Texas de Brazil. Anyone ever been to one of these Brazilian steakhouses? All right. Yeah, it's good. If you've not been there, let me tell you what happens. These servers come out with these giant slabs of meat, which already is just exciting. Can you guys tell I'm not a vegetarian? All right. These giant slabs of meat come out, and it's so wonderful. They have these little cards they give you. On one side, it's red, and the other side is green. And, and what happens, the, the waiter explained to me, if you want the carvers to stop at your table so you can sample what they have, you just have your card turned to red. And then your server knows to stop here and give you meat. All right? And if, you, if you're full or you don't want any more, you turn it to green. That way the carvers know just to go past your table, right? Red means stop, green means go. I have a confession. I could not turn my card to green once. I was so excited that first time I went. I wanted to taste everything because they had all these different types of meat, all these different slabs with incredible flavors of lamb and, and beef and chicken wrapped in bacon. Woo, mm. right? Good thing this isn't the 1045 service. You guys would be dying for lunch right now. But all these things, and, and here's what happened is, is as I was eating, I began to realize that I was no longer hungry but I still couldn't stop, all right? Confessions of a pastor, okay? I, was, I, was just, I just couldn't stop, and, and here's why. It's not that I needed more nourishment. It's not that I was still hungry. What happened was I was terrified of missing out on something wonderful, right? It wasn't, I, was, I just didn't want to miss. What if I miss? I had the FOMO. You guys know about FOMO? The fear of missing out? I had the FOMO hard, and I had to get every piece of meat that came by, and it hit me. Uh, not long after that, I was reading in the, in the Psalms, and Psalm 34, verse 8, says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. And I remember after reading that, beginning to wonder, what if, what if I had the same passion for God's word that I have for good meat? Right? What if I longed for the meat and the nourishment of God's word as much as I longed for that Cajun ribeye at the Cheesecake Factory? Right? What if I had so much joy and delight in God's word? Because if I'm honest, at the time, I did not. 
For me, reading the Bible was my spiritual duty. It was my obligation. As, as a follower of Jesus, it was something I should do. It wasn't something I longed to do. It wasn't something I wanted to do. It wasn't something that I, I found great joy and delight in. And I came across this passage in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. And I love it. Jeremiah said this. He said, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. When your word came, I ate them. And they were my joy and my heart's delight. So I began thinking, what if I got to a place in my life where God's word was to me like that Cajun ribeye from the Cheesecake Factory? Right, what if I wanted it that bad? A few years after, um, getting to go to Texas Day Brazil for the first time, uh, one of my volunteer leaders offered to take me and my wife and my associate youth pastor and his wife to Texas Day Brazil because she had heard this story and she knew how much I love meat. She, she extended this invitation. I'm going to take you and I'm going to take Tim and I'm going to take both of your wives. As soon as you guys can find a night that you're free, you let me know and we'll go. I tell you, I had this surge of focus in my life that I had seldom had before. I went to work trying to create margin and space in my calendar for this dinner. I began to cancel appointments with people, right? Because this dinner was on the table. And I, I didn't just cancel, I did reschedule them. Okay, I'm not a terrible person. But, you know, counseling appointment, not as important as Texas Day Brazil, right? So I had to, had to do some shifting because here's the deal. I knew what was in store for me. I knew what was waiting for me at Texas Day Brazil because I had been there once before and I had tasted the bounty of the meat that the carvers brought to my table. And I couldn't wait to have that experience again. So I cleared my schedule. I made time in my life. And the obvious parallel is God wants us to be the same way about his word. He wants us to taste and see that he is good. He wants us to eat his word when it comes so that it becomes our joy and the delight of our hearts. Because once we do that, here's what happens. We'll no longer be spiritually apathetic when it comes to engaging in God's word because we know what's in store for us. What happens in those moments is we move from a place of curiosity to a place of commitment, right? Had I not been to Texas Day Brazil before, I would have been curious about what was waiting for me at that buffet. But I wouldn't have been committed to making it happen no matter what I had to reschedule. Right? Because I moved from curiosity to commitment, and, and I'm willing to guess that most of us in this room probably have a level of curiosity about God's word, and, and we're engaging in, in our reading plan together, and we're curious about the truth of scripture, but I believe God wants to take you and I on a journey where we move out of a place of mere curiosity into a place of deep commitment. That we're no longer just curious about God's word, we are deeply committed to it because we understand, because we know what's in store for us. There are so many benefits to knowing God's word. It adds so much value to our lives. In fact, tomorrow in the weekly reflection email, I'm gonna send you a list of 15 or 16 different benefits we have from knowing God's word with the scriptures to go with it so you can go deeper and do more study. But there's so many things that God's word does for us, so many items on that buffet, so to speak. And I want you to taste and see the goodness of God through eating his scripture when it comes to you so that it will become a source of joy and great delight in your heart. I want to take you back to the moment when you were talking about your favorite food. You know what I saw standing up here? Big old smiles on your face. You guys were smiling and your eyes were lighting up and there was a level of energy in the room. Why? Is it just because of 
you know, that favorite food of yours providing you such great nourishment, it's so good for your body? I doubt it, right? Most of us, our eyes were lighting up and we were smiling because we have such joy and delight in our favorite food. It's something that brings us much joy. And so when we talk about it, there's this joy and delight on our face. And so my, my hope for us as a church, my hope for you and I as we go through this reading plan together, working through the New Testament, that we would go from a place of religious duty to a space of spiritual delight. That we wouldn't just do our weekly readings because it's what we should do or it's, it's what we're asked to do, but, but we'd wake up excited and eager to dive into the buffet of God's word, knowing that he has something there for us today. And in the same way that I was afraid to let a piece of meat go past me at Texas Day Brazil, may we have that same level of fear of missing out on what God wants to give us today if we don't get our faces into his word. All right, that's my prayer for us. Not that we'll just read scripture, but that there will be a passionate love in our hearts for God's word. And not just for the sake of loving God's word, but because when we love God's word, it leads us to love of God, right? It leads us to him. All of scripture is pointing to Jesus, right? It's taken us on this journey that brings us to the feet of the Father where, where he begins to captivate and capture our hearts. And all of a sudden, our, our religious walk isn't about a list of things we must do or not do, but we are passionately, deeply in love with our Savior, and we value and cherish the word that he gave us. Right? That's my prayer for us. And I'm guessing a lot of you might want to take that journey. Many of you may want to move from that place of uh, kind of duty to delight, from I'm doing this as a discipline to I'm doing this because it brings me great joy. How many of you are with me? You'd love that to be your experience. All right? So the question then is how? Right? How do we go from that to delight? How do we get there? And in the way of application, there's just two challenges I want to give you. As we zoom out of Psalm 119, 105, that says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, I want to encourage you to take a look this week, if you have time in your extra uh, reading time, to look at the whole of Psalm 119. And observe David's attitude towards God's word. Man, that is a, what a moving, moving passage of scripture. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Each stanza begins with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it's, it conveys so much passion for God's word. And I want to challenge you, don't just read it, but pray it. When it says, you know, God, I will not neglect your word. You know, Lord, help me to not neglect your word. God, I delight in your decrees. Lord, help me to delight in your decrees. Pray through that psalm and watch how it begins to affect the attitude with which you approach God's word. And the other thing I'd encourage you to do is a simple 30-day prayer challenge. Don't get nervous. It's super easy. Take you 30 seconds before you do your daily reading. But when you sit down before God's word, simply pray a prayer that goes something like this. God, help me to long for and delight in your word like I long for and delight in that Cajun ribeye from the Cheesecake Factory. Amen. Right? I'm telling you, try it for 30 days. Ask God to give you the same desire for his word that you have for your favorite food and watch how that begins to shape and transform your attitude. And again, the attitude with which we approach God's word will determine the level of our experience in God's word. And so I want to challenge you to ask God to move you from a place of religious duty to a place of spiritually delighting in God's word, that we might be like Jeremiah. When his words came, we will eat them because they are our joy and our heart's delight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your word. 
And Lord, we pray, God, that your word would come alive in our hearts. Lord, even as we uh, continue in our Bible reading plan or begin our Bible reading plan, Lord, we pray, God, that every moment we sit down in front of your word, God, that you would cause your word to come alive in our hearts. May it burn inside our chest like fire. Lord, draw us to you, we pray. Create it within us a fresh passion and zeal and fervor for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys join me in song?